Hello, my favorite people. I know, I missed you too. First of all, I hope you, your families, and everyone you love are all doing well in this horrible pandemic. We're all facing troubles of different sorts, and you're definitely not alone in this. So please, for the safety of yourself and others, avoid discretionary travel, shopping, and, you know, social visits. It will all be over soon. Secondly, my return was inspired by Jad Abu Murad's episode with Al Empire, a podcast I highly recommend checking out, by the way. Jad's story sparked a guilt feeling in me for not continuing with podcasting, especially when I can. So, I'm back. I'll be releasing two more archived episodes weekly on Wednesdays, like the normal. And I'm already recording more episodes over the internet to be released afterwards. Now, this week's episode, I actually recorded and edited this in my very first days of podcasting. And I haven't added, deleted, or edited anything in um, the actual episode. So anything before the music is recorded on the 15th of April 2020... And anything after the music is from 2019. It's a great episode with amazing guests. Marwan and Kamel, I love these guys. Although they hate me for not releasing this episode earlier, but I'll let you be the judge. Like, Listen to this episode and tell me, what could I have possibly named it? They're from all over the place. Anyway, I'll leave you with the episode now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Stateless Mess, a show where the question where do you come from does not have a simple answer. I'm Anas and in today's episode I'll be joined by two friends who moved from the Gulf to the UK together for studies and then later for work. They have lived together for the past four years and they even built a startup together. I was curious to find out how their experience was different to other guests who came to the UK alone. They are app developers, but when you ask them what they do, they have other requests. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Kamel Hussein and Marwan Al-Waraqi. A famous YouTuber. Yes, Kamel Hussain, thank you very much. Oh, how, welcome. And we have a an Instagram influencer. Yes, that's correct. Instagram and TikTok. Uh, follow me at Marwan and oh, only. Oh, 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 no promotions, no promotions. <laughs> that is not the place to do it. Um, so, to start with, Kamel, YouTuber. How are you doing, Kamel, today? Yeah, pretty good. How, I was smelling some chicken. That was, that was pretty Yeah, you good. know, just the usual master chef in here. <laughs> not going to lie, your cooking is pretty amazing. Thanks, uh, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, so where does this cooking come from? Um, probably from my mother. Yeah, she taught me most of the stuff. And then when I came to UK, basically, you know, just cooking for myself instead of eating out and, you know, meal deals from Tesco. Right. Just, yeah. Got Classic, uh, English after uni, just the three pound meal deal. Exactly. None of that stuff. Like just cook my own stuff and, uh, sustain like that. Uh, and your mom, what type of cuisine does she cook? Uh, mainly Pakistani. So like biryani, curries, uh, kebabs, you know, that type of stuff. You can cook biryani? Like I can try. I mean, it comes out more like a pilau. 
But right. you know, it's it's still tasty though. Okay. Yeah. I've lived with Kumail for three years, and I'd like to emphasize I can try part. <laughs> so about Marwan, before he you know starts his part, he's a liar, and he'll never accept that my cooking is amazing. I mean, I've tried his cooking, and I think it's pretty good. Um, so, there you go. So. You're just saying that to get him on your podcast. <laughs> I'm already on his podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so, Marwan, tell us about your cooking then, if you're curious about mm-hmm. his cooking too much. My cooking, uh, to quote Gordon Ramsay, is pretty exceptional. Um, I can cook pasta with Tesco sauce and chicken with Tesco sauce. I sometimes upgrade to dolmia sauce if I'm feeling a bit rich. <laughs> Unfortunately, Kumail doesn't approve of my cooking, so I don't get many chances to experiment and to push my limits. He's holding me back, forcing me to eat his Pakistani cuisine. Forcing you. Listen, just a story for that to, you know, reinforce how great his cooking is. Um, What's it called? Once, actually no, not once, twice, I asked him to boil pasta. And then like 30 minutes later, I come to check, oh, the pasta's probably boiled by now. And well, it's just water boiling and the Pasta isn't even in the pot. So that's the level Marwan cooks at. Okay, I think we're going on tangents here. So back to the UK. <laughs> What's life in the UK like? <laughs> All right, okay, okay. That is part of your life. He is a cooking, he cooks for you, and then you cannot cook for shit. <laughs> family friendly, family friendly. Okay, Kamel, when you moved from, obviously you started your life in Qatar, no, actually, I started my life in Pakistan. I was born there. Um, I lived there for two years. Then I moved to Saudi Arabia, moved around uh, from Hafer al-Batin to Riyadh. And then when I was um, 16, I moved to Qatar for the last two years. Okay. And yeah, then university, basically. Oh, so you're not, uh, you haven't lived in Qatar the no. most of your... Pro- oh, no. right. Yeah. That's the misconception that I had then. Uh, so Saudi Arabia, how was uh, how was life there? It was uh, it was interesting. Um, it was very, you know, uh, I'd say caged in a sense. Right. Because we were always living in compounds and like our own communities. So I didn't really interact with a lot of Saudi people. And most of the interactions, to be fair, weren't exactly pleasant. So, yeah, I'd say Saudi Arabia was something I wouldn't want to revisit. That's that's quite deep. Is it racism thing or is it just the general that you weren't comfortable it's a lot of stuff to be honest because back then obviously i mean obviously now women can drive but back then women couldn't even drive Mm -hmm. so like my mom just was pretty much like you know like she couldn't do anything on her own she just had to rely on my dad or we had to get a driver Mm -hmm. and because of that like we were just too dependent on you know like just one person and our dad he wasn't like he had to work and stuff so like it was I guess just sort of immobile, like you were as if stuck somewhere, you know? That's uh, that's harsh. Right now, though, have you heard of all the changes that's happening out there in Saudi? Yeah, like apparently uh, Prince Salman, he's trying to make it all progressive and stuff. But uh, I don't know. It's still Saudi Arabia, so you never know. What? Do you want to hear a mind-boggling fact? Oh, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, do you remember how restaurants in Saudi Arabia had a men's section and a female section? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gone now. Wow, that's progressive. Really progressive. So Good yeah, job, like, actually, that reminds me of some stuff. Like, I would be scared to go to parks because you know they had like special timings for like men and families. 
Yeah. So you never know like, oh, some security guard's going to try to kick you out or like be rude to you or, you know, like it was just like every interaction you're scared to have because of how many restrictions there are. Saudi life. And that's your child. You've lived there for how long? Basically, 14 yeah. years of your life. Yeah. That's a lot. Man. <laughs> well, you made it here. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Made it is uh, not I would describe it, but you know, <laughs> survived, I guess. Survived. We will switch to Marwan uh, and go to his life in Qatar. How was that like, bro? Yeah, so another plot twist in the story. Uh-huh. I started in Saudi Arabia too. What? <laughs> I've known you guys for three years. How does this never come up? Because <laughs> we never did a podcast together. Oh, nice. This is getting us closer together. Okay. So I lived my first four years or so in Saudi Arabia. So I remember nothing from it. Oh, So right. we're going to skip over to Bahrain, which is where I lived next. I lived there for another four years or so. Um, I'd like to pretend like I remember much from that, but I don't. So then we'll move on to Qatar, which is where I spent most of my life. Um, How was that? How was life in Qatar like? Life in Qatar was actually pretty great. I really enjoyed growing up there, and I think it's a great place to start a family in the future. It's not exactly a place I'd want to go to university for, but it's some place I'd see myself settling in at some point, or just going back to visit. It's it's always really fun to go back there. Okay. Uh, when you say it's 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 interesting to, to be there, or it's nice to be there, is it the, the money, or is it the people, or what exactly do you mean by that? It's um, It's mainly the people there, because growing up In school, they're spending about 10, 10 plus years in the country, maybe 14 years by now. And the amount of people you meet, and because it's such a small country, everyone still knows everyone. Mm-hmm. So chances are when you, when I go back to Qatar, there's always enough people for me to spend time with, and my family's there as well. So nice. it's just always nice to be back there. But the same thing could apply to any other country. Like You could have your family, friends, and everyone in any country. But is it Qatar itself? How has Qatar itself defined you as a as a person that you when you grew up there? I think the experience could have happened in other countries for sure. It's just maybe because of its size that everyone's accessible. There's there's no such thing as moving to a different city where where what <laughs> what? It's Why? just I was about to say that everyone's accessible. But I just remember that since Kumail has moved, I haven't seen him in Qatar because he's been too far. <laughs> But that's a rare occasion. Most people still live in the capital. And I guess the size of the country and just as the country developed, we were growing up there as well. That Qatar wasn't established when most people moved there. Mm. So just growing up and seeing the country change and you being part of that, that was pretty cool. And it's it's kind of rare to grow up in a country where it looks different when you first move in and then completely different when you move out. Oh, wow. Has it been more developed, you're saying? like? So we have like loads of... Scra- we have. There's loads of... <laughs> <laughs> there's loads of skyscrapers there. There's like an amazing high-rise. The, there's so many more attractions to go to now, so many new places. It used to be just one mall or two that everyone would gather in, and now you've got more than two choices, which is expected in every country, but for us growing up there, it was like a mind-blowing thing that we can go to new spots now. Oh, wow. So... Just growing up with the country was really cool. Was it not as uh, caged as Saudi? Because it's also a Gulf country, so I expect it would be. I mean, from my perspective, there are some limitations, of course, but nothing that ever got serious or ever got annoying. Right. Um, it's kind of like 
overall as an experience, I think it's a really great experience. Sure, some stuff could be better, but the overall experience was just really great. So even if I compare it to other countries, which might not have some limitations, such as the ones we've had there, it's the overall experience, I think, is one of the best. I'm glad you had this amazing uh, childhood. Back to Kamel. Now, you moved from Saudi to Qatar, but you stayed there for two years. Yeah, my A-levels, I did them in Qatar. Did you experience what Marwan was talking about? The whole small city, small country vibe of people and all that? Or was it just a quick shift for you? So yeah, basically because uh, I was in Saudi as well. So Saudi is massive. Like you barely know any of the people from other schools or anything like that. Like you rarely meet, you know, uh, people somewhere else. But in uh, Qatar, yeah, it was a, it's very close knit community, basically. There are just like a handful of schools. So you, and then you have like inter-school competitions or like uh, events. And that kind of like brings you together with them. And then, you know, a friend of a friend who's either in one of the schools or something like that. So it's Qatar is kind of, what's it called, close community rather than a, a really massive city or a country like Saudi Arabia. Because in Saudi Arabia, I had friends in Jeddah, Damam, and you know, it's just uh, like too far away to meet them or anything like that. And you don't even know the people there. But Qatar, Doha is the main important city. And like when I was in A-levels, I was living there as well. And um, other than that, about the restriction stuff, I'd say Qatar definitely feels felt a lot less restricted than Saudi Arabia. But maybe because, you know, of my bias and whatever experience I had in Saudi, I kind of like transferred it to Qatar as well. So still I didn't feel as uh, free as I do in UK. But uh, I think Qatar is still a really nice country. So even though two years, but you still gained so much and you're saying you met definitely, so many yeah. people and all that. Wow, must be a really small country then. Yeah, definitely. It's also because like two years were like my kind of, I'd say, defining years because they of were course, high school years. Yes, yes. But then again, I did meet quite a lot of people, yeah. So it's almost like they say that everyone you meet there is like a friend of a friend to a certain extent because there just aren't that many people in the country. I've never really lived in a, in a small city or a country because I moved from Saudi to to here. And even then when I go back to Egypt, Cairo, 20 million is it now? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So to put that in perspective, I don't know how much Qatar has right now, but at some point I remember it being about a million and then it grew to two million. <laughs> and that includes... The whole country. Yeah, that includes <laughs> everyone. So when you then look at people with kind of a similar mindset, people going to uh, people going to a school similar to yours, it just turns into everyone knowing everyone. Okay, so then we moved, well, you moved from Qatar High School to UK. Yeah. First of all, it's very important to mention that Marwan, when he came to Newcastle, uh, he had a brother who was here. Yeah. Do you want to tell us more about how that helped you first? I was excited because I remember the the year my brother left and just seeing him walk down the airport with his bag and stuff. And I'm like, that's going to be me next year. So that's something <laughs> I was excited for throughout the year. So I just really wanted to go through that as well. So then when it came to my turn and I went, I traveled, um, we we went on the same flight, right? Yeah. Yeah, so me and Kamel went on the same flight. So from the beginning, it was uh, a shared experience. I didn't feel alone or anything. But then as soon as I arrived, uh, my brother was there and his friend was there. And so we had tour guides from the start. So that really helped me settle in because I lived with my brother at the f- in my first year. So s- still having family in the UK, I think, made it a much more welcoming experience for me. 
it, to an extent as well, brought us together because we're living together uh, without the rest of our family. So we have to rely on each other more to a certain extent. I didn't have much expectations of the UK. I was just excited to experience a new city. I had fun in Qatar, but I was ready to start my next chapter. So I was really happy coming here. And having family here as well just made the experience easier. I'm interested to know, because you said how much of a great time you had in Qatar and then you moving to Newcastle. You were so excited about it also, although you were having, like, you know how... Uh, I get what you mean. It's like, how can you top the experience with the next one? So it came to the point in Qatar where just because I was living there that long, as much as I was enjoying it, I was ready for a new chapter. And part of it was me being excited to study uh, computer science. Part of it was me being excited to try something new because Qatar was all I really knew. So as much as I enjoyed it, I knew that I wanted to experience something different. Whether that's better or worse, I I tried not to have any expectations for that. So then just coming to the UK with zero expectations, uh, then that was easy to beat. Okay, let's move to Kameo, get the expectations of Kameo. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to top that. <laughs> that was very nice, my one. Um, but... Just tell us about what you thought when you were when you knew when you got accepted by Newcastle University. Yeah, what were you feeling? What what was the first thoughts that came to your mind then? Um, so basically, I didn't have a lot of time to feel because I didn't get accepted by Newcastle University in a normal manner. So I was gonna go to Canada. It was all done. I was just waiting for my visa, and I'd already applied. It had been I think a month or something since I applied, and I was supposed to get my visa in two weeks. So it was delayed by quite a while. And I was kind of panicking and my university, I think Canadian University was going to start in like uh, another two weeks or something like that. And I thought maybe I'm going to get my visa canceled or they weren't going to give it to me. So I'm like, I got to find another solution. I got to do something else. And then I quickly messaged Morwan. I'm like, yo, how do you get into Newcastle? Like, what am I supposed to do? And then he's like, okay, there's this clearing thingy that they do. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then I looked up the courses. I didn't actually find computer science. Because uh, I think computer science was done. So they had a computer engineering course uh, see it available. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to pick it and then I'll see what happens. Literally in like, uh, was it a week? I think, yeah, just in a week or something, I applied for my visa. And then a couple days later, got it. And then I just, yeah, traveled to UK. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) I think something, I think you'd applied for the UK one and then the next day your Canadian one got accepted, but it was too late because you applied for the UK one. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think it was something like that. And uh, just like a side story about the Canadian one. After my first semester in Newcastle, I got an email telling me that I owe the Canadian university $16,000. Jesus And I was like, what the hell? I've... I've even, I've not even been to Canada. <laughs> like, how do I owe you this much? But yeah, I got that fixed anyway, so. Oh, so you didn't have to pay it? No, no, no. Oh, okay. That's good. Um, so you came UK. I don't know what I'm going to do, but Marwan is there. Yeah. What, first of all, cause he said that the next day you got into the Canadian one. Why did you pick Newcastle over the Canadian university? So yeah, like the thing is like Canada, it was already. Like, it was too far as well and everything. And then the delays, it just, like, kind of turned me off it. And, um, like, he was, Marwan was going to Newcastle as well. So I was like, you know what, it would be better if, like, I know someone who's going to university. I mean, obviously, it's a, in hindsight, it was a terrible decision. Because living with him for so long, <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. I mean, I 
I don't want to put myself in his shoes too much, but I think when your role model and inspiration is going to a city and you have the option to go there, oh. you're going to go there. Oh, this is what I'm talking about. Just typical Marwan doing typical Marwan things. I'm not surprised. Right. Well, <laughs> um, right. Okay. So you moved to Newcastle. Did you do any research about it before coming? No. Right. No, no. Was it literally like he just said? I literally asked Marwan. I didn't even know Newcastle. I was like, Marwan, which university are you going to? He's like, Newcastle. And I looked at the fees was a bit cheaper than the others. I'm like, you know what? That's amazing. Let's just go. (laughs) I love that. I love the mindset. Fees cheaper. Let's fucking go. (laughs) Okay. 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 This is going to be muted out. Don't worry. Um, Marwan, you settled in here for a month or two. You saw all the new things that you saw, experienced the city. How did you adapt to it? How did you try to get closer to that culture? So to be honest, it took me time to start adapting to the UK culture here. It just wasn't my kind of, my idea of having fun was different to theirs. And it took me time to adjust and start enjoying things they enjoy as well and finding people who enjoy things that I enjoy as well. So in the first six months or even the first year, it was easy because I lived with my brother and another friend who went to school with us, who was my brother's friend and another guy as well. So just being around my brother and someone else who grew up with me, it was it was kind of easy to stay within my culture and within what I enjoyed. So I really spent the first six months just watching friends at home. <laughs> and that was that was the peak of my life. And then the next six months, it was Kumail would come over a lot. And so it would be me, Kumail my brother and a few other friends who were in Qatar as well. So just, we didn't really adapt to the UK experience. We just brought Qatar with us and stayed within our experience for the first year or so. And then I think over time, I gradually started adjusting to the UK experience, started to see where they're coming from, see what kind of things they enjoy and seeing that I could probably enjoy it as well. So it took me time to adapt to the UK culture. Um, But it was easy just because I had enough people around me throughout the past three, four years that that grew up with me and that under, understood what I enjoyed and we under, enjoyed similar things. So the experience was, it was easy to take it gradually. I think had I come alone, I would have put more effort into making making new friends and I think I would have been kind of forced to adapt to the culture a bit quicker. But just having friends around me from the start, from the get-go, I put in like very little effort in making friends the first couple of years at university which is a good and bad thing if you think about it. But by the time it came to my third year, that's when I started putting an effort into that, maybe towards the second year. But the first year year or two, I just had my brothers here and I didn't need to adjust at all. It wasn't that, it wasn't really that I was even resistant to it. It just, the opportunity wasn't even there just because I kind of had my own bubble with me in here. And it's easy to stay with people you're more comfortable with at the start. Exactly. Yeah, to get out of your comfort zone. Um, Kamil, do you want to share with us how? Um, so yeah, first year, basically, um, I was living in university accommodation. So like I had more interaction with, you know, the UK people and like British people in general. But, um, <clears throat> I think first year, yeah, it was just the freedom of, you know, being able to hang out so late, do anything I want. And like without my parents or anything like that, it was just so overwhelming that I was just caught up in that. So I didn't really need or like I wasn't really pushed towards making friends because obviously like Marwan was there as well and his brother and we had another Libyan friend from Qatar. 
and we just like hung out together as late as we could or as late as we wanted to and i think like just the sense of freedom was enough to you know keep me excited and keep me interested the whole year but then obviously afterwards it's like oh okay now this is getting boring what else are we supposed to do and then yeah we started to like branch out find new people what's it called do new activities try to do something new and then i think the real assimilation into the culture happened but honestly yeah as I, as marwan said as well the culture it's not exactly what i'd like um so i didn't really have a strong urge to what's it called blend into it which is why i guess um i found pretty much like-minded people who just have the same idea of fun and who have the same idea of what to do every day so i don't think there has been any true assimilation into the british culture like um small uh, habits or small activities that we do every day and it's just different from them i guess right that makes that makes sense to be honest i think coming from asia or the middle east to the uk or europe in general it's very um very different really i don't think i um or anyone i really am close to is really adjusted to that yeah lifestyle and um like you know it's just like it's just the different cultures that's the thing exactly i mean obviously like if i was forced to blend in with them then it probably would happen but i mean i did have like a couple british friends that i really liked but um i don't think that's the general culture of british people right okay going back to marwan you after you finished your university you are also you and kamil you're also working in uh, in newcastle yeah so how was the working experience different to the university experience or was it at all so for the first year after graduating we didn't we didn't really work we were working on our own startup but not actually having a, a full-time job or anything so the experience for that was it was really exciting especially at first because we were living our dream working on something we love and building that ourselves over time perhaps it was easy to get more laid back and it was hard to kind of discipline ourselves to make ourselves work but you know you live and learn so then now it's our second year after graduating and we decided to make sense to get a job alongside it so now it's a bit less laid back but a lot more engaging for us at least that's how i feel i feel i'm more my day is more engaging because if i'm either working at the company or if i'm working on our startup i've got more stuff to look forward to and it's not just a free flow because when we're just doing our own startup it's kind of a free flow where you have to assign your tasks to yourself and it's easy to get carried away and to and it's kind of hard to plan your the rest of your life out basically the rest of your year out yourself but then when you have at least some aspects of your life are controlled externally and not just by yourself it makes things a little bit easier i think working here is like a great opportunity it's hard with the visa requirements they do it's extremely hard with the visa requirements <laughs> they do tell me about it but you do you do what you can and now we have the opportunity to stay here so i think we're trying to make the most out of it for now uh was it challenging finding a like you're saying because it was challenging to get the visa how did you manage to to get around to that uh for the first few years of uni i was i was really mad at the uk in general because of how how difficult it is to get a visa i then found out that the university can sponsor a startup visa 
which when went through the process, it wasn't as hard as it seemed at first. I think the UK can make it a lot easier for people to stay though, but that's not the case at the moment. So we went through the process and we got the visa and the visa was just for a year after graduating. And then once that year ended, we have to apply for another visa. So now we have another year. And then once that ends, we have to apply for another visa. So even though we have a visa, they're still making us work for it and beg for it to a certain extent, which isn't great because you're kind of living in a country and settling in it and you're encouraged to consider it your home, but you don't know if you're going to be able to live here six months from now. So that that is that is deep that sentence <laughs> very deep yeah it's kind of a contradictory uh, message that you got from them but we're we're doing our best and trying to get a more long-term visa that we can stay here and be more confident that we're going to stay in the UK for the next few years and i think once that happens that'll be great but initially they make it really difficult to stay which which is how the UK works. Yeah. Let's not go into politics because that's not what we're here for. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could have spent the next 30 minutes on this topic. <laughs> yes, sir. You have three uh, international people living in the UK. That's enough to, to start a whole podcast just about this uh, topic, really. True, true. Um, Kamil. Yeah. Would you have done this again? Would you have moved to the UK again? Um... I don't know, honestly. Like, there are pros and cons, obviously. Um, the thing is, I guess my biggest challenges are now starting with the whole visa stuff that Marwan just mentioned. And I think how easy it would be to solve them would then um, give me a clearer answer of, to this question. Because let's say if I went to Canada, I already would have had a permanent residency card over there. And I would have been able to stay there for as long as I want. And that's not the case right now with me in UK. And I have to stay at least five more years to even get a PR over here. So, you know, it's just, as he said, like the uncertainty of everything, it's kind of annoying. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm young and, you know, I can do whatever I want. So I guess there isn't a lot riding on me. So I don't really think about it much. Um, so, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, I would do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so you would do it again you would yeah it why not yeah okay. nice interesting if you were to advise someone yeah from a similar background to you pakistan originally from pakistan and then you move someone who lived in let's say the the gulf area mm-hmm. um and they want to come to the uk to work or study yeah um what would you tell them to do would you advise them to do it in the first place um, I guess one of the things that was really different was the, like, if, especially if you're living in, you know, countries like Qatar or Dubai or, you know, somewhere where you can actually interact with the, um, people from European nationalities. Um, the European people in Gulf are not clear representation of the actual European people in Europe. How come? The Gulf Europeans, they've kind of assimilated into the Arab culture quite a lot. So they're, they, like, we click with them better, but that's not the case with all, it's not like, oh, yeah. this, um, what's it called? This British person in Gulf, he's like, I click with him so nice. He's like my best friend. No, that's, that's not all British people. <laughs> Their culture is different. Yeah. So I guess that was a misconception that you gotta, I guess, know of. So not to expect, you know, the same thing with all the British people. Okay. Um, other than that, I don't know. Probably pick a nicer city. I said Newcastle. 
Actually, no, not you really. Lived here for how long? No, in now? UK though. No, oh, if you're gonna wow. pick a city in UK, pick Newcastle. It is the nicest city. But if you're gonna pick a country in Europe, don't pick UK. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, is that for both study and work? Um, I guess yeah, that both that works for both of them. But for work, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you'll get into UK for work. To be honest, if you're outside, because it's really difficult. And uh, if you're studying here as well, and you're currently studying, I think you should apply for work much earlier on because getting work is quite difficult. Unless you're in the tech sector, obviously, then you can get a <laughs> job Stop literally the next you week. Nerds. <laughs> so also, yeah, I guess that. for an advice for studying, if you don't know what to do, just do something in tech. You'll be good. What about if you're, and I quote, a YouTuber? <laughs> How is it like there? Oh yeah, I forgot I was a YouTuber. <laughs> so yeah, if you're a YouTuber, <laughs> make sure you have a side job because YouTube doesn't pay. I only got 38 <laughs> subscribers and... 38? Yeah. Like 3.8, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's still something. I think I have zero subscribers at the moment, so that... You want me to give you a shout out? Oh man, I'd love that. Yeah, that, that's why I interviewed you guys in the beginning because I want to get that like exposure, you know. Um, back to Marwan uh, with the final questions. Would you have done it again to move to the UK? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think the experience was really cool. I think it might have been better in some other places. Like I think when Kamala was talking about Europe and he said, "Don't like if you can pick another country, don't pick the UK." I think there's a lot of merit to that. I think there's some countries in the, in Europe that are just as advanced as the UK without the visa restrictions, which I'm not going to go into detail for. And Too you have please. the freedom of traveling within the whole of Europe. Again, visa, I'm going <laughs> to avoid that. Please. <laughs> I just think that there are countries in Europe which can give you a better experience than the UK. I don't know which ones these are, but I know that that's definitely the case. Whether I like the UK or not, though, I do really like it, and I'm really glad that I came here. There's always a better choice, but, you know, I'm happy with this one. Right. Uh, what would your advice be to someone from a similar background, Egyptian living in Gulf, who wants to do a similar move to go to the UK? Would you, as in, I know you've already said, pick another country, like pick a country in Europe, but if it was your brother, I know your younger brother is also, now it's three brothers from your family who was studied in Newcastle University. Yeah. So the fourth one, if you extrapolate that, if he picks up his grades, it, yeah. it, you know, <laughs> it just it's meant to be. Would what would you tell him? I would tell him um, to remove that expectation that you're only gonna have the most fun with people from a similar culture to you, because as it stands, most of the friends I've made throughout university and most of the friends that I have now are from different cultures. In fact, I don't like any Egyptians at all. I have no Egyptian friends. <laughs> um, okay. Um, That's just shade the at the host. The end of episode and I'm packing a leave. <laughs> right. No. Uh, in all seriousness, though, you, I'll tell him that you're going to meet people from different cultures that you're going to have a great time with as well. So don't have necessarily have that expectation. Don't rule people out just because they're from a different culture. Just spend some time with different people and you'll find similarities with them. At some point in university, most of my friends were Asian, and I didn't expect that would be the case when I came to the UK, but it was, and I had so much fun with them. And now the friend group that we're in is extremely diverse. So I think just remove that expectation, remove that barrier when you're making, when you're meeting new people. They don't have to be from the same background as you to share some interest with you. 
That is such a piece of wisdom. I love it. Uh, why are you laughing? Yeah, you're thinking of wisdom. Wisdom is a friend that we have. Speaking of diversity, he's a Nigerian friend from London. So we're really a diverse group of people. Just saying. Uh, final question to both of you. You guys moved to um, like you knew someone in the country. Do you think that negatively or positively affected your experience? Oh, come here, go first. Wait, are we joking about it? Because then negatively, Marwan ruined my life. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I think the move was a lot less shocking. You know, like I had uh, people over here that I knew and it wasn't like I was forced to make friends from the from day one. But I guess it depends like how lazy you are. If you're like lazy, like me, you just take a whole year not to care about making friends and then you just like end up, you know, not experiencing the stuff that the city has to offer or the people that the city has to offer. But if you just want, like if you're on it, if you're on your stuff and you just like use your friends as a means to not be stranded in a country and have a good time from the start, then you can easily make new friends as well. And you can, and I think that having someone with you would definitely benefit you. Okay. Uh, Wish I could say the same, bud. Oh, right. <laughs> no, oh. In, in all seriousness, like having friends here and traveling with a friend here from day one made the experience a lot better because you're never really alone. You know, you, there's always someone there who who knows you very well. You, I hate the first few days of making friends. It's always great afterwards, but the start always sucks. So just to have someone with you during that period is... Uh, is definitely incredible, and I'm sure Camille is very grateful for me <laughs> because of that. <laughs> I do think that it uh, it is pretty hard to make friends at university. I think I think it takes a bit longer than most people might think. Um, you either get like lucky early on, or else it could drag out for a while. So I tell people don't have that expectation that once you move to university, you're suddenly gonna know everyone there. It takes time, uh, and just traveling with friends makes that period at least more enjoyable well thank you very much for your advice i'm sure our listeners will uh appreciate that it was very elaborate from both of you they are articulate honestly uh like favorite guests so far so uh i'll put that out there and um i'm smelling the chicken have you eaten it or is there any left I think it's probably burning now, so we should go <laughs> check it out. So I'm making a Marwan special. Oh, the burn is, uh, right, if you didn't get the joke, it's the burn. That's Marwan special. I think <laughs> the burn is the chicken. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you for tuning in to the end of the episode. I was joined by uh, Kamel Hussain and Marwan. And um, to see you next week. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye now.